Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. I guess Peter asked the question of the day, huh? Uh, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Well, no kidding. Today, Jesus, you see, draws with a couple of his disciples up to a mountain. And what they should recognize at first is when he takes the three of them up a mountain, it's a setup. I mean, everybody in the history of Israel recognizes from Abraham on down that mountains are places that you climb to get close to God. For the people of God, historically, it's where all the big action takes place, on mountains. It's where you go for what we call a theophany, uh, something that comes direct from God. Abraham had to go up to a mountain with his little boy Isaac and in order that he might hear the voice of God's approval. Moses had to go up to a mountain, Mount Sinai. Some of you have been there. I've been there too. Go up there for his conversation with a burning bush. And from there on the mountain, that's where he received those Ten Commandments. And on and on it went for the people of God through the centuries. Whenever anything big was going to happen with God, it was up on a mountain. And so I'm giving you that Bible study hint. Because when you see something happening on a mountain, pay attention to it. And so on this magical, mystical mountain of transfiguration, the veil between the past and the present and the future is drawn back for just a moment. It's lifted, if you will. And for a shining moment, three of his disciples were given this dazzling vision of who Jesus was. And they heard a voice from heaven. Moses and Elijah were there with him, long dead. There they stood, dazzling white, talking with Jesus. And the appearance of Jesus, the way Jesus looked, was transfigured right in front of them. He became white, whiter than anything we could imagine in this world. And not knowing what else to do, in awe and worship, Peter blurted out, Lord, let's build a building. (coughs) Let's at least have a committee meeting. Put up three tents. Let's just stay here (coughs) in all the splendor and all the glory. There was a day a few years ago, I remember vividly that day, my oldest granddaughter, wife, she was sort of dancing around in her gangly sort of way. She was about seven. She was in our living room in front of the big windows, and (coughs) I was on the couch, 
hoping to drift off, which was made impossible because she kept whirling and twirling around me. And since it seems that's what she wanted, I watched. I watched her spin and her arms were flailing around. Hair was tossing and she was moving in her gangly, awkward way across the room. And suddenly, as I was looking at her, the way her mouth was arranged, her smile, her eyes caught the sunlight. And there was this moment in which her hair sort of, (coughs) excuse me, fell across her cheeks. And this wash of sunlight poured in over it all. And it created this really weird effect. For one instance, just for an instant, what I saw there was not my granddaughter, but my daughter, her mother. She looked like her mother at that same age. Her mother dancing like a young child right before me. And in a flash, I caught a glimpse of my granddaughter, not as a child, but as a grown-up, as an adult, of what she would be someday. A glimpse of her all grown up, her future, I saw it. And I saw with it, along with it, everything that it would take for her to get there. Took my breath away. She just got her driver's license. Still takes my breath away. (laughs) But there was that single fixed frame in my mind where I saw my dancer, my tiny dancer, in the past and in the present and the future. And then she turned, and the light changed a little bit. A shadow kind of came over, and she slipped. And she fell onto her backside, like she always did. And she finished with this large, ta-da! Looked like a Saturday night skit, Saturday night live skit. And so she was back. And so was I. But what I saw, there was no escaping it. I'll always, I'll always remember that. It was this wonderful, beautiful, inspiring, lovely moment. And a frightening one (laughs) in some ways as well. It seems that such a moment, such a glimpse, brings some kind of responsibility with it. Now maybe you've had that kind of a moment. I don't know. I hope you have, where the past and the present and the future suddenly come together. Maybe it's at a family reunion, or maybe you meet someone from your past, or you're looking through an old photo album, or you hear a song that you're listening to, and it takes you back to another place in time, sort of transports you. It maybe takes you back or forward. You feel it. So is there something 
we ought to do with that kind of a glimpse? I mean, what do you do with that? Well, Peter, James, and John that day, that's what they got. A glimpse of the past and the present and the future. And a voice in the brightness of the cloud spoke to them and gave them their instructions. The voice said, listen to Him. It was a theophany. The voice said, listen to Him. It's a God thing. A moment of convergence where suddenly things from the past and the present become connected and they point to the future. So certainly one thing to do with such a moment is to cherish it, uh, to hang on to it, to recognize it for the gift and privilege that it is, because Jesus had brought them to it. It was a gift. God gave it to them. They'd seen Jesus now in a new light, a new way. He was transfigured before their eyes. Never again would He be for them just a rabbi. Never again. Peter, James, and John could not unsee what they'd seen. They couldn't unhear what they'd heard. They were transformed by it. Never to be the same again. This Gospel story also teaches us that we don't get to stay up on the mountain. <laughs> we got to go back to lunch. Or back down the hill. It's a glimpse. We don't get to stay there all the time. As most of you know, this week is Ash Wednesday. It's on Valentine's Day. <laughs> really, when you think about it, there's no greater love story ever told. So on Ash Wednesday, we begin this 40-day journey that we call Lent. It's an English word used since the Middle Ages as a little title for the 40 days of preparation and growth and spiritual disciplines as you move towards Easter. It simply means spring. It's a season in which daylight gets a little bit longer every day. It's a season during which things percolate below the surface. And in some places, even here, there's things happening under the earth and they're waiting to burst out when it gets warm enough. Eventually, new things bloom. For us, for us church folk, Lent means maybe we take on some new things. It maybe means giving something up or taking on something new like Bible study. And I invite you to join us on Sundays beginning next week in the fellowship hall after church. We take a look at the book of Psalms together. I invite you to that Lenten discipline. Maybe you come to a few extra church services. Maybe you take on some other kind of Lenten discipline like daily prayer or devotions in the morning. And perhaps we as a congregation take on during Lent some time to reflect on our past and on our present and our future as we anticipate who it is that God might be leading us to to serve as the next senior minister in this place. Most of all, 
Lent, we hope, is a time that helps us get ready for the best and most meaningful Easter that we've ever had. I believe the story of the transfiguration of Jesus and the transformation of those three disciples who were privileged to get to see it all gives us a clue as to what we had to do with a glimpse. What do you do with a theophany? And the clue is in the voice that speaks, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. So what do you do with such a holy encounter? Of course, you're going to cherish it. You're going to remember it. You're going to savor it. You're going to be grateful for it. You let it carry you at times. makes you smile. But it's just a glimpse. It's just a moment. The clue is this. Listen. You don't have to do anything or say anything. Just listen. That's what you do with it. And those are the best marching orders that any of us could hope for as we walk into Lent, as we walk these 40 days together towards a meaningful and powerful Easter. Listen. Now, remember who's telling you this. I'm a words guy. You don't want to play any word games with me. My whole family's given up on playing word games with me. Because it's what I do for a living, I tell them. I'm a wordsmith. I put words together. I talk and I write articles and messages and blogs and classes. And I work with words that tumble out of my mouth all the time. But there in the transfiguration story that Mark tells, the only command, the only things we're told to do with a theophany by the voice is to listen. I mean, a glimpse of God will do, really. It's enough. Let's allow this story to guide us through Lent. We might find we like it. Listening, I mean. Listening to God. Listening for what God has in store for us. So what do you do with a glimpse? With a taste? When God comes very close to you? Listen. Amen. Glory be to you, Heavenly Father, through Christ our Lord, who with the Holy Spirit reigns eternally, one God, now and always.